2: Evening, y'all. Please take a seat on the couch.
3: And good evening. It's Monday. What's Today's date, March eighteenth, 2019. I'm Vinnie Marini, and I welcome you to take a seat on the couch. We're going cold opening tonight. Going chase Founded in 1980, the Blues Foundation is Memphis-based, but world-renowned as the organization whose mission is to preserve blues heritage, celebrate blues recording and performance, and expand worldwide awareness of the blues, and to ensure the future of this uniquely American art form. With over 4,000 members, 200 affiliated blues societies, and continually growing communication and social media outreach, the Blues Foundation reaches and represents millions of blues. With your support, the Blues Foundation is able to recognize blues musicians and their music with the Blues Music Awards, the highest accolades given in blues performance and recording. Care for those in need with the Heart Fund, which provides financial support for acute and chronic medical and dental care, as well as funeral expenses for blues families in need. Through the Heart Fund, the Blues Foundation also offers health screenings at major music events to provide preventative care and early intervention to ensure musicians' long-term wellness. The Foundation also supports and mentors youth and their love for the blues through Blues in the Schools networking and award scholarships to young musicians to attend accredited blues camps and workshops via its Generation Blues program. The foundation brings the best and upcoming blues musicians the world has to offer to compete on Beale Street each year as part of the International Blues Challenge. Besides the challenge, the week also includes workshops, panels, master classes, films, networking events, jams, and showcases. This is the largest gathering of the blues community in the world. If you're not a member of the Blues Foundation, please visit blues.org and sign up today for as little as $25 per year. You will be allowed to vote for the blues music awards, gain free admission to the blues hall of fame museum and help the blues foundation to continue to keep the blues alive and thriving. Taz crew and his band of tortured souls have just completed a 10 week tour, which took them to Illinois, Kansas, Tennessee, Texas, California, Oregon, Washington State, Canada, and Michigan. Taz is also thrilled to now be a mentor with United by Music North America and looks forward to continuing to work with their incredible musicians. Besides some shows and tours over the next few months, he's also heading into the studio for the next chapter of his music. For the next chapter of his musical career. Sorry about that. My tongue just got tied. Check out TazCrew.com, tas Cru.com for all information on Taz. And if you're interested in bringing Taz for a show or to one of your his award-winning blues education programs, send an email to Taz Music at gmail.com. That's T-A-S. C R U Music at gmail.com. Hey, how are ya? Yeah, we opened up Cold. I'm not sure why, but I just figured I wanted to get right into it and talk to this young lady, uh, my first guest. She released her debut album back on November 21st. The album is entitled High Road, and I'm real happy to uh, welcome Miss Katie Henry onto the couch.
0: Hey, Vinny. Thank you so much for having me on.
3: Sure. Bio talks about the mountains of North New Jersey. More specifically, where in New Jersey and uh, where are you born and raised?
0: Um, yes, born and raised in New Jersey. So yeah, I say the mountains because I grew up right near a ski mountain called Mountain Creek. It's actually in uh, mm-hmm. Sussex County, Vernon, New Jersey. So
3: okay, uh, yeah. we got
0: a lot of outdoor activities around here.
3: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, talk about the music that was played in your home uh, by mom and dad before you were too old to select it.
0: Um, well, a lot of great classic rock bands were what I grew up on. I always say I knew the Beatles before anything. So that was like in the womb, I was listening to the Beatles. But um, other than that, I would say the Allman Brothers were always playing. Also the Eagles. The Eagles was actually one of my first concerts that my dad took me to when I was a kid. Um, cool. He was a huge band fan and a and, uh, Grateful Dead as well.
3: Oh, yeah. I sound like you could have grown up in
0: my house um, yeah <laughs> uh, uh,
3: what was the first instrument you ever played and uh, how old were you when you started playing
0: um, so I was about six years old and piano was my first instrument um, I've dabbled with other instruments I eventually uh, grew into the guitar but mm-hmm. I always say that the piano is like my first first love really
3: okay yeah, yeah. I mean, the photo, photo on the album cover is not you with the guitar, it's you with the piano. So, uh, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah, um, exactly. And that's a, a Vintage Vibe keyboard, which is a really, really awesome keyboard that I, I recently started playing. They actually make them in New Jersey as well on that cover. Yeah
3: nice um so take us take us through you know how is from six years old three high school years you know how music was involved what else you were doing in life Uh, i'm sure you're out on the ski slopes in the winter time when you're you know living up in that area um you know some nice some nice hills i mean we're not not talking colorado or or new hampshire folks but we're talking about some nice ski mountains for for uh for, for i've been up in them so uh you know some fun areas uh yeah, Pucked yeah, you got some good
0: spots. Yeah. So during the winter time, skiing was always a thing. But I mean, with my musical development, it it's taken a lot of different turns, but always kind of a constant path of just just loving writing and sharing music. I mean, when I was a kid, we would kind of gather around the piano during the holidays, especially Christmas. Like my neighbors come over and we sing. And once I started playing and sharing with the, sharing those moments with family and friends I started to get a little bug and an itch to keep doing it um, and especially when I was in high school I had a really good friend who was a fellow Beatles fanatic and we kind of wrote together and we would talk about how much we loved to play and how much we want to keep playing and she was a year older than me and when she went off to college I wrote her a song and I would I would give songs as gifts to people and I just thought you Know that's this is all I could afford, really. So this worked out for the both of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I just kept writing and just kept doing it. So, uh, that kind of carried me all throughout high school it was just uh playing with family and friends. But yeah,
3: but I was not great out, to... but not out, in, but not out in front of people at that point in time.
0: Yeah, not out in front of people in that point in time. Okay, all right.
3: Um, let's go right to the album and let's uh let's let's talk about the title track. Uh, tell us a little bit more about High Road.
0: Uh yeah, so High Red we started to record it um in the spring of last year. Um it was actually originally supposed to be a five song EP and then the time was right and the setting was great and the songs were coming together and all the musicians were just incredible to work with and we turned it into a 10 song uh album. So yeah, yeah. The,
3: tell us yeah, a little so bit about it, the title, tell us a little bit about the title song specifically.
0: Um, Yeah, so High Road was, I think it was one of the last songs that we recorded. And it was just a really special moment because the band would talk down some of the songs. And when it came to talking down that song, uh, John Ginty, who produced it, he heard me play it. And he said, you know, I think we should just keep it like that. Like, let's just hear the vocal and the guitar. And I think that we have most of the song just there. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So we kind of went down that road and the well, high road <laughs> and it yeah. it turned out to be the standout song not only um the recording process of it but just the sentiment behind it is uh you know it's a lot about putting differences aside and i think it's just it speaks to um, kind of finding commonality between people which is something that i strive to do and i think is important uh in this day and age to to find things that we have in common so That's what High Road represents.
3: Katie Henry, title track from her album, High Road. Did the exact right thing, exactly perfect as it was, just nice and bare. And you, the guitar, a little bit of kick really nice. Great
0: song! Thank you. Yeah,
3: uh, uh, talk a little bit about this. This giving songs as gifts. Now, did you actually record the songs and give them to them? You know, we you put them on cassettes. Is that how you did it, or was it just did you give the people who just a sheet of you know, lyrics? I'm curious what that Uh
0: sometimes it would be lyrics. Um uh, but okay. the one that I gave to my friend was was recorded. It was my first recorded song and it Oh, okay. It, it just allowed me to like express what I couldn't put into words. It was always easier mm-hmm. for me to communicate in song.
3: So Sure. Sure. <laughs> and it also it also I'm sure saved a few dollars here and there along the way. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Christmas <laughs> was easier. Yeah. <laughs> we'll keep that between you and I. We won't tell anybody yeah. <laughs> about that part. Um, so you graduated college and you went across the river uh to, to Manhattan College. Um what did you what was your major and why did you select Manhattan? Uh,
0: was actually uh, my father went to manhattan college and his father so it's a family college for me and um okay yeah so i was a english and education major there actually okay okay Uh, yeah but it was actually funny because the um place right down the road was where i started doing open mics and there was actually a great supportive community there so it's really cool that uh, i was able to grow musically there
3: yeah, I, 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 that's, I was going to ask you about that. I had seen something where uh, it took until your junior year, but you finally, you know, convinced yourself, I guess, uh, more so than anything to, you know, leave the dorm room or leave your apartment and uh, go down the block and you know, play in front of people. Talk about that first, that first night, that first experience, you know, when it wasn't family members or, you know, neighbors.
0: Yeah, I have a memory of one of my early open mics like i i had a night class and i was sitting in class and my hands started to sweat and i was like oh i have to do this because i can and i want to mm-hmm. and i it was like burning inside of me to do but it was definitely took a little uh a little kicking uh along the way but yeah i mean my first memory i remember playing it and my eyes were closed most of the time but then when i was finished just the air in the room was lighter and just you know to be able to mm-hmm. share Share the songs and the emotions with others, it was just it was all worth it you know any any uh hesitation I had or any doubts that I had were just vanished and and that's the funny thing about performing it's you get you feel a little angsty beforehand, but then when it's done, you're like, okay, let's do it again so well, sure. it, it yeah. kind of yeah. happened in the beginning that way
3: yeah no i i i get that I get that just from you know if I've got to get on stage i don't i i don't perform, I can't sing I can't play, I can't do it but I do you know MC work and whatnot sometimes you know It's like okay deep breath Okay here we go yeah a couple thousand people Out there okay don't forget about them They're your best friends Um, (laughs) Yeah yeah, just remember who the band is Remember their names okay that's why that card is in your Hand Um, uh, (laughs) Um, Now did you Come out of the box doing your own music or, Or you know the songs that you had sort of Been working on your whole life or Did you were you doing covers or was it a mixture Of both
0: I started off as covers, so okay. uh, "Hurts Me Too" was the first song that I did, and which is a blues song. So that mm-hmm. was the great thing is that I I sang it and then got a great uh, reaction for blues music. And I the first um, you know extra actually it was at that open mic that I did where there was a person there who was trying to form a, a blues band and he asked if I wanted to play the piano and I, I would sing a couple yeah, songs. We're going to talk about so that.
3: We're going to talk about, yeah, oh, we're going nice. to talk about that a little bit more. Um, it hurts me too. I, I, that's, a, you know, the dead from my standpoint, you know, I hear, I immediately think yeah, me the dead too. Even, that's even. actually where I yeah, heard it. So mm-hmm. I'm sure you did. You know, there's so many versions of it, but the one I immediately fall back to is, is, is the Dead's version. Um, uh, but before we talk about, the, that whole thing that happened in the Bronx uh, Talk about uh, Carry You From the album
0: Oh, Carry You, that's one of my Favorite, favorite songs uh, Especially to perform live uh, That song, the chorus came to me uh, When I went on a walk to the park um, And then the rest of the song Kind of wrote itself But it it really is a song that's That's designed to spread the message That when you are going through a tough time that there's somebody there that can help you through it and a lot of the time it's just when you're going through a tough time you just have to get to the other side of it and this song's about carrying a person from one side of their problem to the other and yeah i forgot I really, really about
4: me Hi, this is Mikey Jr., and you're listening to Music on the Couch with Vinnie Bon Marini and
3: Musicians You Should Know. Oh, yeah, Carrie, you, Katie Henry from uh, High Road. Wow. Uh, Katie's on vocals, vintage vibe piano, acoustic piano, guitar, and clavinet. John Ginty, couch kid, John Ginty on organ, melodica, percussion, and drums on one of the tracks. Antar Goodwin pl- plays uh, bass. Jonathan Fritz on the guitars, Maurice Mo Watson on drums and vocals, and then some special guests. Marcus Randolph plays pedal steel on a guitar on one of the songs. Uh, Anthony Krizan adds guitars to a song. Billy Harvey adds vocals to one of the tracks. Mike Buckman adds rhythm guitar on one of the tracks. Hector Lopez adds drums, and a couple of the tracks. The whole album was produced by John Ginty, recorded mixed mastered at Showplace Studios by Mr. Ben Elliott, assisted by Dillon Cozo. I always stumble on Dylan's name, and I'm Italian, and I don't know why. Uh, additional recordings by J.G. Uh, at Shark Tank Studio, and uh, it's all on uh, Katie's Self-produced album or self-released album. Um, so yeah, you're at uh, you're at a uh, one of the jams, and a guy comes up to you and says, "Hey, we got this blues band in the Bronx. You want to come and be a singer and pian- pianist with us? Well, uh, at least a pianist to start, right?" Mhm.
0: Yep. That's how it started. Yeah.
3: Uh, yeah. So t- uh... t- talk about that time and what you were learning about yourself and what you learned about yourself during that time.
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I really learned a lot about blues specifically. Um, Like we said with Hurts Me Too, I did associate that as a Grateful Dead song. So the more that I was venturing into doing blues covers, the more that I started to learn that that's where my voice uh, sat the best. And then I started Mm -hmm. to get into uh, more blues style keyboard. Um, And yeah, when I was asked to join the band, I was really excited because it just seemed like the perfect next step for me to to like improve my skills and to get used to playing with other people because at that point I was lugging a keyboard to the open mics by myself so to play with other people and to start playing in venues in the city it just completely opened me up so during that time Mm -hmm. I just I really learned about my uh, musical capabilities especially playing in a band more than ever before.
3: Yeah, And you were still in school at this point in time, at least in the beginning, right?
0: Yes, yeah. I was a junior yeah, yeah.
3: college. Yeah, you were a junior, so so you're still a junior. Um, and uh, now, Anwar, uh, talk about, uh, you also met him at a jam. Um, mm-hmm. And you guys have sort of found this creative bond. Uh, that, you, that you've that developed together. Talk about uh, meeting him. When when did you meet him and uh, how, how that all developed?
0: Uh, yeah, so it was really cool. It was right when I was graduating. So if I started to do open mics during the college my junior year, then when I graduated, um, I ventured downtown to the Bitter End, which is a really well-known uh, mm-hmm. venue in the city, and sure. they had a Monday night open mic. And I went and you had to like sign up on the list and they called your name down and I showed up a little late and it was it was kind of funny because I was like oh I'll just do it next time but then somebody squeezed my name onto the list really quickly and I was able to to get on there which thank god because once I did get on stage I um I sang me and Bobby McGee uh, Janice Joplin and mm-hmm. afterward then Antar approached me and just gave me a card and said oh I really like what I hear if you're ever looking for a bass player um, or if you want to write some time just give me a call so it's funny sometimes I don't follow up on those types of random encounters but I did and it was the best I, I really call it a fateful meeting because of the growth and especially creative uh, ability that we have together, especially when it comes to writing songs, and we've uh, yeah you know, we wrote all the songs together.
3: Yeah, that's. I mean, they, it certainly seems like there's a uh, there's a synchronicity the two of you. I, I think I said Anwar at one point It's Antar, and I apologize, Antar. Um, i want to make sure I got it right. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, talk about uh, from from that point on how how you guys have moved from that point on. Uh for the next couple of years. And, and at what point did you meet John?
0: Um, yeah. So then I, we started to write together and it was just for fun at first. And then it, it got um, more serious, especially when we started to play a couple of shows together, then we just wanted to build a set list and um, more opportunities were coming our way. So we just uh, kind of got more serious with it while at the same time still maintained a lot of fun i mean i lived i was living in new york city at the time and there was a really great park across the street so there were a lot of days where we would just bring our guitars to the park and just write and like i said carry you was actually written in that park so Um, were you you not you
3: you were you were you in school at that point you had graduated so were you not working or what what uh, yeah yeah yeah. i was
0: teaching at that point and i was okay okay in the
3: bronx okay so you were in the bronx and you were teaching in the bronx uh, oh, cool. So, uh, what, 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 what park?
0: Um, Inwood Park. Okay. It's okay. actually the biggest park in uh, the city. But yeah, it's way up north yeah. in the Bronx.
3: Yeah. So. Yes, in the Bronx. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, that's why I was. That was. That's why I, I spent my first four years in the Bronx. So. Oh um, no way. That's funny. Yeah, right around the corner. Right around the corner from the Bronx Zoo, uh, actually. Um, so I used to go there Yeah, a lot I, had I, some, a I had some. I A
0: lot of a lot of great. Uh, Great times in that park, especially when it came to songwriting. So,
3: mm-hmm. um, so so you yeah. so you teaching teaching during the day, and when you know you get done with school, or you know on on Saturday, the weekends and whatnot, you're you're hanging out, and you guys start to play together, and uh, yeah, continue on, please.
0: Uh, yeah, so um, then we got a, a festival uh, in North Jersey, and I really wanted to have a set list of all original tunes and so we just kind of finished up writing a full set list and like I said we wanted to record five of them to have as um, an EP Um, and we were looking for a place to record the EP and it was around that time that Antar was on a gig with John Ginty um, and they met and they just happened to be talking I I think Antar brought it up that uh, you know we were looking for a place to record our songs and and it just talk about, um, fateful once again, just the fact sure. that, uh, they, and, and then Antra plays in, in John's band when he's, when he plays, uh, in the John Ginty band. So, he, mm-hmm. uh, so they really hit it off and they started working music, uh, musically together. And then when it came time to make a decision on where to record the EP, then the decision was very easy. And that's, when we ended up at showplace studios and that was about a year ago right now.
3: Yeah. And then, and again, sort of in your backyard, uh, you know, uh, you know, so it had to feel, it had to feel like home. Uh, Oh my
0: gosh. Yeah. That was the funny part about it. It just felt complete full circle. I mean, I was taking train rides out of the city to New Jersey and it was during (laughs) those train rides that I was like, Oh, you know what? I actually miss New Jersey and, I, I mean, I love the city, but there was something pulling me back here. So uh-huh. it kind of felt like a full circle moment.
3: Yeah, I was, I was going to ask if that it was, if, was that part of the, the, the move back to Jersey from, from being in the studio. So uh, so you talk about that. So you decide, OK, we're going we're gonna to record the album. Um, take us through, you know, pre-production and what you what you guys went through with with John getting ready to go into the studio. And how long were you in the studio for?
0: Um, so we recorded the album in, we had two separate sessions. So, I mean, before we went in, we just talked about the songs and and what we were going toward, but I'm sure that, and you even said that he's a couch kid and you're very aware of the yeah. very yeah. immense talents and good ear that yeah. uh, John Giddee has. So right Absolutely. when he heard a couple of the songs and, and the vibe that we were coming up with, he just he, he knew what to do, and mm-hmm. he took the lead on a lot of um, decisions, and they were really – it felt like they were always serving the song, which was why it was so, so awesome to work with him and and preparing for it. But, yeah, we uh, the album was recorded within four days. So we had uh, two different sessions, and it okay. was uh, four days in the studio. And then
3: you had to do post-production – uh, how involved were you with, with the post-production of the album? Uh,
0: very, very involved. Um, yeah, John has his own uh, Shark Tank Studios where he mm-hmm. added a lot of the other parts. So a lot of the tambourines, the shaker parts. I mean, even some of the guitar parts were laid down there. And a lot of the um, harmony parts were added uh, after the show right. dates. So yeah, I was very um hands on with a lot of it and it was really cool to see the entire process and how it works. Obviously, it was my first time, so I got to see all the ins and outs of it and I learned a lot.
3: Yeah. Uh, and coming out coming out of it what what do you envision what's what's the next what's the next mountain to conquer?
0: <laughs> Ooh, that's a great great way of putting it. Um a full length tour is my next big goal i mean this year i'm just really promoting the album and i have a mini tour coming up for april where i'll be in connecticut and then going down to virginia and mm-hmm. by the end of the summer i'm right in the works of, of booking a full-length east coast tour so i actually hope to make my way down to to mississippi by the end of the summer
3: nice and you're uh you're handling all of that stuff on your on your own end also
0: uh, yeah, I mean I have some yeah. some really helpful hands and
3: sure. But sure.
0: yeah, it's, it's, all, got it's the, all part of the climb.
3: <laughs> you and Antar obviously and then uh, you've put together the rest of the band or is that uh de- depending on the on the shows and at this time uh you know how's that how's that all working? Cuz I know it's it's difficult, you know, when you especially when you're starting out to to have a band that you can say, "Hey guys, you know, we're going to be playing, but just hang out. This might not be for a while, you know, you got it. Sometimes it's, it's hard to keep the same guys together.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Especially when, you know, everybody has their own projects or their own, um, you know, things going on. So sometimes it's hard to link up or to find that level of commitment that you're looking for. But I've been very lucky to, uh, I mean, like you said, uh, Antar and I work together a lot, and he's on board. And we have a drummer who we've been working a lot with. But yeah, certain gigs Congrats. it uh, it varies. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But Jonathan Fritz plays the guitar, and it's always a treat when he's on the gig because nice. I mean you hear his guitar playing throughout the album, and and he's yeah. he's a lot of fun to play with.
3: Absolutely, and I, I, obviously, you know, you're still playing guitar. Um, though I I love. I, I saw the quote where you said uh, every time you play the guitar, you you feel like you're cheating on the piano. Do you still feel yeah. that way?
0: <laughs> uh, I don't feel that way anymore, but I definitely did feel that way because I'd be in a room, my piano would be looking at me, but I wouldn't be. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I love that. that was, I, was I laughed so but... hard. Yeah. Yeah, I laughed real hard when I read that. That, that that's great. Um, uh, yeah, we worked so, it out. So, yeah, you yeah, you know, everybody it's, it's it's everybody's everybody's friends. It's just like you know, it's like having a cat and a dog. Maybe the cat and a dog in the beginning, maybe they don't get along, but eventually everybody gets along. Everybody realizes. Yeah, wrong. yeah,
4: one big
0: family yeah, absolutely. exactly.
3: Absolutely, yeah, yeah, no doubt. Now, are you still teaching?
0: Um, well now, yeah, I'm teaching music, uh, a couple of lessons here and there, but a lot of my okay. attentions, like I said, are, are toward, um, right just get, getting the creative, it's always flowing.
3: Sure. Sure. Absolutely.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh, her name is Katie Henry. She's a musician that you should know. Uh, check out all things uh, about Katie at katiehenrymusic.com and it's K-A-T-I-E Henry, H-E-N-R-Y music.com, uh, and uh, we're going to play one last song from the debut album, High Road. Uh, tell us the history behind the song that closes the album. takes a lot.
0: That one was a really fun one to record. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the sentiment behind it kind of speaks for itself, how going after something that you want takes a lot. And for me, especially with recording the album, it took a lot to get it together, and it anybody in this uh, business and pursuing a creative vision it just takes a lot of perseverance and you kind of pull strength from places you didn't know you had and i felt like uh that song was always a reminder that even though things felt difficult or uh you know all the trials and tribulations kind of felt worth it because it was just a reminder it does take a lot and you have to be willing to to put in a lot to get anything out so it was a it was a lot of fun to record uh, and you'll you 'll hear the the field change when it comes in halfway through the song
3: yeah absolutely and uh, you know, I just I, can't, I was just thinking back to uh, the last song um, i I kind of stepped on your last couple of words I, I try to do that every once in a while it's, it it doesn 't work out all the time when you 're doing a live show. you know if I had recorded it, I could cut it in. it would be a perfect like you stop talking and the song starts, but uh, I, I tried to get it. I know I stepped on your last couple of words, so I apologize there. Um but uh again, Katie, I thank you um uh, you know you're welcome back here anytime because you are now a couch kid, just like John uh, and so many others uh, and from Katie Henry uh high road, this is takes a lot. Thank you. Katie Henry from uh, High Road and takes a lot. Some kind of album. Go check it out. Bridget Kelly band is out of Florida and they're bringing some hot blues rock. They were IBC semifinalists in 2015 and 2016. Their album Bone Rattler spent six months at number one on the Roots Music Report electric blues album chart and their album Blues Warrior reached number three on the Roots Music Report blues rock chart. Bill Oop yeah. Bill Wilson from Reflections in Blues said of Blues Warrior, it's everything a contemporary blues album should be. Tour throughout the USA this summer. Check out their touring schedule and more at BridgetKellyBand.com. Inspired by classic and electric blues, the Bridget Kelly Band. Hi, this is Tom Gray of Delta Moon. You're listening to our buddy Vinnie Marini and music on the couch. My next guest was once called A Thin Vanilla Coating on a Dark Chocolate Soul by none other other than Mr. Lou Rawls. I simply call her a friend. She and her band took third place at the 2012 International Blues Challenge, which is where we initially met. Uh, This is her third appearance on the couch, and she brings with her the new album. The new album, it's entitled Speakeasy. Oh, yeah. Her name's Paula Harris. And this is the song that opens the album. It's an original. Nothing good happens after midnight.
4: could tell mm-hmm. this would an mm-hmm.
1: A man, you're listening to music on the couch with Vinnie Marini, in depth with musicians you should know.
3: Okay, so let's just let's just cut to the chase here, because um, so some people are probably figuring Chris O'Leary is supposed to be in this spot, and why was he introducing Paula Harris uh, earlier today? Um, Chris and I had a conversation, and it ended up he got a gig tonight. Uh Monday night gigs are not very common, so. Uh, we're going to reschedule him for uh, in April, April 15th, uh, and he'll be back with his new music there. So what I normally do is I'll go to the fourth guest, which is Paula, and I'll move them into that spot, you know, because it's easier to move them into the second spot than to move the third to the second and the fourth to the third. And since Paula and Kevin Burt, who is the third guest on the show tonight, we're both in California because Paula lives there, and Kevin was out there doing some stu- gigs. Didn't really matter. Paula and I discussed it this afternoon, and for some reason she's not answering the phone. So I called Kevin, and before I introduce him, I just want to tell you, just so you know, that next Monday, March 25th, I get to sit and speak with legendary blues drummer Willie Hall. And then I got Vin Mott coming in. He's going to talk about his career uh, and the brand new album. And then Sunday Wild is bringing her brand new release, world premiere, folks. No one else is going to have played a word of it, a tune of it, a note of it. Sunday's bringing a world premiere to us next week. And uh, then we'll uh, also speak with Nick Shemblin, uh, and we'll talk about his journey and uh, his new album, Crazy All By Myself. I sound a little... And finally, uh, we talk with couch kid Alec Venable, Uh, She's got a brand-new release, Texas Honey, and she's been doing some incredible coolness all over the globe, and we'll talk to her about that. Uh, That's all next Monday, March 25th, Music on the Couch, live, uncut, and uncensored conversations with musicians that you should know. You know what I'm talking about.
4: This is Chris Yekopsik, and you're tuned into Music on the Couch with Vinny Marini, Musicians You Should Know.
3: Okay, so if you've got your playlist all set up straight, it was supposed to be Katie, then Chris, then Kevin, then Paula. Then it was going to be Katie and Paula and then Kevin. Now it's Katie and Kevin and maybe Paula after Kevin. We'll see. Because right now we're going to talk to Miss <laughs> welcome, welcome to the insanity that is music on the couch, Mr. Kevin Burt uh, he, uh, he finally gets to sit here He's uh, the gentleman the 2018 IBC Solo Duel Challenge winner uh, And uh, uh, he's got a brand new album out That's just been out a little bit of time Heartland and Soul And as I mentioned, he's out on the West Coast uh, Good evening, sir Good evening,
5: man. I appreciate uh, this <laughs> opportunity, Vinny.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. I know we've kind of tried to do this a couple of times, just never kind of fit together. But uh, talk about where you were born and raised, Kevin.
5: Born and raised in Waterloo, Iowa. Um, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a a blue collar town, man. It's a it used to be a, a a meat packing plant there called Rath Meat Packing, and uh, then uh, that's also where the the primary uh, offices and, and foundry and, and, and assembly plans for, uh, John Deere tractors. Those were the, ah. the, the big industry things in, 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 my, my hometown. And, uh, uh, my dad worked for John Deere. And, and when I was really young, he worked for both John Deere and Ram meatpacking. Mm. Uh, but, uh, it's a, it's a place where, you know, folks, uh, folks do their thing, you know, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, know been, I know that there's been a I know I know
3: I'm not sure you know, exactly where it is, it is in Iowa. but are they okay with all the flooding that's going on out there right now? Up there
5: right now? Waterloo's hanging on tough, man. They've always had uh they've they they've always plotted and planned for, for, you know, flood stages uh to be pretty okay, uh, pretty high. There. you know, they've set, got got the the flood walls kinda of built up. There's gonna be some creeks and things that uh makes various tough to get to, but uh, um, it's, it's, you know, it's uh, springtime in Iowa. so that's uh, it's, it's the opportunity to be flooded is going to happen.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, let's back to when you were a young boy, uh, what kind of music uh, did mom and dad play in the house when they weren't working, uh, you know, in the plants?
5: You know, my father was my father was kind of a unique soul, man. He he if he was awake he was trying to get paid for it. And so uh uh he not only had those couple of jobs, man, but he also uh did some some side hustle work, uh, working at some bars as a bartender and uh uh sometimes cleaning up the, the bars and and after hours he would a lot of times he would run what we like to deem at this point a unlicensed gambling establishment in our basement. And uh, huh. you know, folks come over and uh put on like some old forty fives with some blues, uh you know, some ZZ Hill, B.B. King, uh Johnny Taylor, um, you know, uh uh Bobby Bland, uh mm-hmm. Chick Willis. A lot of lot of different stuff, man, and uh and I just hear, you know, I and my siblings would hear the laughter from the basement as they were listening to the music and uh and, and, and doing their thing down there.
3: Sure, yeah. sure. Oh, no, sounded like a like great old time but you couldn't put your butt down there Because you get your ass whooped. Uh exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh what was your first instrument for you, Kevin,
5: and how old were you? You know, um when I was a, 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 a in grade school, uh they they stuck a violin in my hand and uh I, I played that a little bit but didn't stick with it and uh uh and didn't really pick any instruments up again until I pretty much had to, and that was about the age of well, let's see, it would have been about the age of 27 that I picked up the guitar oh, really? and the harmonica and up the same time. Yeah.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, well, that led to. Uh, I, okay, I didn't realize there was so, so much of a, a, a gap uh for that but uh let's we'll we'll get to that point but before we do, uh talk about the song yes. Your Smile from the album.
5: Your Smile is a song that I wrote uh for my daughters. Um I wrote the song for them uh when they were eighteen months and four. Uh they are they are and will always be uh my world. Uh they're the mm-hmm. the, the best thing that I'm ever gonna do um and, and that I can ever give is 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 in them, and uh, that song is uh, just a daddy trying to prepare himself for for the 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 place that I'm at now, and that's watching my 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 babies turn into young ladies and uh, trying to get ready for it. And you know, the song didn't really prepare me for it, but it did just it, it did let them know that that daddy loves them crazy and has always has always loved them, and that's you know that's that's really. You know them knowing that that's up, that's their form, them uh, always is, is is what I was trying to get to them and uh, so far my evil plans worked you know from that. <laughs>
6: i yeah. That's not what daddy wants at all. Daddy just wants you to understand, no matter what you do or say, and daddy gon' be here to catch your honeys if you fall. Just remember, when daddy has to go, you know he misses you, and I know you miss me. Day, but don't you worry, baby's cuz That's what daddy's supposed to do too Just remember no matter where you go, no matter where you're on Daddy Daddy's waiting with open eyes.
3: Talk about uh, what you were doing and learning, both in life and with your music, uh, through high school. You know, talk about talk about your your time. You know, living living in town and you know how music was impacting you and what you were learning about yourself during that time.
5: You know, I, honestly, man, when when I was a, a much younger man, my my world revolved around athletics. Man, I was a I, I played football. I I got into powerlifting and and, and all of that kind of stuff. And I thought my my whole Life was kind of based around, you know, uh, becoming uh, an athlete and and moving uh-huh. in that direction. I have two older brothers and uh, and and a, and a sister. Uh, I'm a baby in the family, and uh, you know, my mom raised three all American football players, and the best athlete in the house was our sister. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> was, she, she, she really could she could have taken any of us out at any moment, at any point in time that, that she wanted to, and. uh you know, it was it it was just this uh you know, the thing that uh was instilled um uh, by my mom big time was uh, you know, you got each other. And uh yeah. that that component has always, you know, made me very conscious of uh you know of the, the, the mindset of, of what is family. And I've been blessed that there's a lot of really, really good people in my life and has always been a lot of good people in my life that make my family feel remarkably extended. And the one thing that I've gotten from music is that that family has grown exponentially, uh, because mm-hmm. of music. Um, sure. and that's, that's beautiful to me that, 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 um, that mindset, um, the, you know, the, the being a part of the little village foundation, um, you know, right now I'm, I'm, I'm in, you know the San Francisco and the Bay Area and El Cerrito, and I'm I'm staying with my 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 label mate and sister uh, Marina Krauss, um, uh, and you know she's you know she's an amazing soul, and 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 there's mm-hmm. just there's so many others that I'm I'm again my my extended family is growing, uh, uh in ways that I, I never imagined, and you know that's the one thing that's the most powerful thing to me that music has brought is that, you know, it's, it's, it's really full of a lot of really cool and what I like to call righteous souls, you know, people that, yeah. you know, they enjoy what it is, that they do, but they are conscious of, of everyone around them and trying to make it, trying to make the, the, the whole thing better for all of us. And uh, yeah. that's, 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 you know, I don't. I don't want to be the the person that that does that differently. <laughs> you know.
3: Yeah. yeah. I get you that. No, I want absolutely. To be the to absolutely. Um, but was there? Were you doing some musical theater in high school also, Kevin, or did that come when you went to uh, school, University of Iowa?
5: No, no, no. My brother went to University of Iowa. I went to I went oh. to here on University, little school in South Dakota. Oh, okay. You know, I, okay. I, I was in I was in choir and those kinds of things in high school, and uh, you know, I, I I did you know I didn't try to sing professionally or anything when I was in high or in college or any of that or to try to pursue music. It just it 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 always kind of presented itself as an option, and I'm a firm believer that you know, as I reflect back on my life, music always showed up in different times. Um there was one uh one holiday that was coming up uh, right around I can't remember. I think it was right right before Christmas. And I didn't have enough well, I was in college. I didn't have enough money to to buy gifts for my family. And Who
3: does there was, when they're in college? Uh, there was,
5: well, there was there was a karaoke contest in the, at a little bar in South Dakota. Well, I was like, you know, what the hell, I'll, I'll go try it out. So I went and I actually got second place and won like 200 bucks And I was just like, all right, cool, you know But it, it didn't dawn on me that I was really any good at it I was just better than the folks in that bar that, You know, at least better than most of them And the person that won was a really cute young lady That that sang a, a country song And, you know, honestly, I would have voted for her too Because she was really cute And uh... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, yeah uh but at the end of the day it, it music was trying to present itself to me at that time and I I mm-hmm. I I wasn't paying attention I was still focused on sports is supposed to be my thing and uh I was an all-American football player going into my senior year and uh the fourth play of the first game of my true senior year I got my knee dislocated
2: and ah. I
5: had to I had to register, uh that mm-hmm. entire season and try to rehab at a small school and come back and I got an opportunity to play Canadian football and I got I got a trial with a Canadian football team. All of my NFL prospects, all of those dreams got dashed with that injury. And sure. uh, uh, and so I uh went up to Canada, tried out for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I got mm-hmm. uh I I, I They looked at me, looked at me seriously, and then decided that I was, uh, uh, you know, too short and too American, and and they sent me home. And so I moved back to – I got out of there, and I moved to Iowa. I was going to go to graduate school at the University of Iowa. I applied for seven jobs. I got offered five of them, and so I took all five jobs. Three were part-time, two were full-time, and I just started working. At one of those jobs, my boss heard me singing in my office one day. And her son just happened to be a drummer and was putting together a blues band. And she heard me and she stuck her head around the corner and said, boy, you can sing. You need to come audition. My son is looking for a singer. And you'd be, you, 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 would, you, you better than anybody that's come in my house and, and tried to audition. I was like, ah, oh, whatever. <laughs> and, and I, she, through hook and crook, she got me over to the house. Um, I went down to the basement and I, uh, auditioned by singing the only blues song at that point that I knew was the song Down Home Blues. And so I sang Down Home Blues and after I got done the fellas in the band were looking at each other with their eyes wide and I thought that I must have sucked. I thought I was terrible and mm-hmm. and I was like, Okay fellas, that's all right and they were like, No, 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 you ain't going nowhere and they handed me a, a notebook with it was full of blues lyrics and so that that's what began. I started out singing. That's where it uh, all began. Playing the instruments, yeah, uh-huh. in, been been playing any instruments, and I started singing with a group called the 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 Blues Instigators. Is the in, ended up being the name of the group because um, it didn't have a name at that time uh, when I first joined. And so we we went with the Blues Instigators, and it was a seven-piece band, and uh, we actually won uh, one of the first uh, Iowa Blues Challenges uh, in 1994, I want to say. And we went to the IBCs as the Blues Investigators, and and uh, uh, we didn't we didn't make it out of the first round. And I I didn't participate in the uh, Blues Challenge again until until last year.
3: Until last you year. Uh, uh, let's listen to it. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're gonna yeah we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I want to play another song from Heartland and so that people hear a little bit more of the music. Uh, tell us about Never. Never uh,
5: was it was one of the first songs, one of the first people that i had ever uh met that uh she was somebody from uh my, was one of my brother's best friends but she was so striking that she made me I, I i couldn't breathe when she was in the room when i first met her and she became a really 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 good friend but we uh she was she was who i was thinking of when i wrote this song you know so that's 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 kind of it, you know. Now, you know, my wife is that person that uh, who I think of when I sing it. <laughs> you, know, but, you know, absolutely, it's a, it's a, I get it. it yeah, it yeah. it is a it is a cool. Uh, it, it's a it's a bunch of cool. Uh, you know, for me, it's a it's a cool memory of of, of
3: absolutely.
5: me absolutely. As, a, as a much younger man.
3: Kevin Burt from Heartland and Soul, and this is Never.
6: Woman looks so good to me outside me. Yeah. Woman you buy the yeah. sure does make me smile. And make love to my mind. Oh, yeah, now Never before did I dream it could be like this Oh, you got me just shaking his shiver babe all oh, before we've even killed I'm telling you right now, darling and
3: Kevin Burt and never. And, uh, while we were listening to that, Paula called in, uh, she, she, I think they use They use some sort of an internet phone thing because it, uh, uh she said she was sitting there and the phone never rang. So, uh, she's going to call back in about 20 minutes or so. Uh, and, uh, we can finish up with Kevin. Um, the album again is Heartland and soul, uh, Kevin Burt and, um, uh, Kevin's on vocals, acoustic guitar and harmonica, Jerry Germott on bass uh, Derek DeMar Martin on drums John Otis on percussion Kid Anderson on g- guitar and he had melodica on uh, one of the tracks Jim Pugh on keyboards Lisa Lushner Anderson on backing vocals, the album was produced by Kid Anderson and Jim Pugh, uh, recorded and mixed at Greeceland Graceland, uh, Graceland Studios mastered by Tim Jennert Jenner, uh, and it is on Little Village Foundation, and i got to play this.
4: Hey there. Ain't nothing like chilling on the couch, listening to some music, especially when Vinny's playing them fine blues. From musicians you should know. This is Chris Gill. And this is Demar. With Demar Gill. Gil. We hope to see you on the flip side. For sure. Mercy, Mr. Places. Mercy. All the best to you. There's a place.
3: There yeah. I go. Whenever I can play DeMar. It's good to become a Demar's drop I love to play it, so there you go. Um <laughs> <That's> awesome,
4: <dude. laughs> yeah.
3: how old were you now when you went to when you were in New York City uh, at uh uh what is it, Club Car, uh playing uh, in the Broad yeah. off Broadway play?
5: Um, that would have been uh, right around oh god, was that like two thousand Let's see. Yeah, it'll been it been right after my my youngest daughter was born. I wanna say it would have been about two thousand and four, maybe. Okay,
3: okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um Yeah, yeah talk I mean how, talk about that experience and how that uh, you know helped you continue to develop as a musician. Well
5: it um uh, it it was such a unique opportunity but it, it it's you know typecasting as it's at its best you know i got to play what i aspired to be and that's a, an old blue spirit um uh in the in in this particular play and my my job was to be the spirit guide uh to a young lady through the underworld um who was being abused by her father being sexually abused molested by her father and and uh uh, during a time that she was contemplating uh, suicide, and so I was her spirit guide to, to encourage her to continue to live. Um, and uh, so it was—it it was a pretty deep play, um, and uh, it got—it got, it got a, uh, a two-week run at a little place called the Mama's Theater in New York City, um, uh, and. It started out as a as a black box theater moment uh, at the University of Iowa and that's where they they actually cast me to be cuz they, they they couldn't find someone at the college that could play an old soul blues band and they were actually going to scrub the play and the playwright and director and the the person who wrote the book that the the play was based on came out to one of my shows to and and walked into my show actually by accident and it, we're just going to have a drink and discuss how they were going to not do the show and next thing I know I'm being asked to <laughs> be in a place
3: so you, say, a you saved day, the
5: show yeah cool Yeah, um, kind of moment and so <laughs> it's almost as if I mean the part really the part is a, is a, a character was named Papa G and, uh, uh, it really was about, and I got the opportunity to, to write songs, um, based on the story that fit mm-hmm. into the, the, the story and be a part of the, the musical, uh, direction of the, of the play as well. Um, and it's, it was so beautiful. It was just a, it was a cool experience and, uh, wasn't anything that was on my list of things to do, but. It really wasn't acting; it was just go out there and you know pretend that you're getting to be mm-hmm. again what you aspire to be, and that's just a sure. you know a cool old blue soul, you know. <laughs> yeah.
3: And then you know in nineteen in two thousand seventeen, you semi convinced to enter. Uh, the local your local Blue Society challenge, which allows you then to go to the statewide Blues Challenge. Uh, Iowa does it differently. Uh, the eight societies each each do their local challenge and then send to a statewide challenge. And then those the winner of the statewide challenge comes to Memphis. It's, it's kind of interesting the way the way they do it. Um, uh, yeah. and, and you, you got to come in as a solo, obviously. Uh, talk about, you know, the week in Memphis and, you know, the performing those first three days and how you were feeling about your performance those first three days.
5: Well, the the, the best advice that uh, anybody gave me was, Kevin, go on, just be yourself. And, mm-hmm. and so that's, I really wanted to focus on that um but the one thing that I did probably 10 times was I read the instructions for how they score the blues challenge I just read I kept reading the instructions over and over um just because I wanted to make sure that I understood how I was being how how the challenge itself worked and you know when you realize that you're not competing with you know trying to be better than any any band uh, or any other performer it has absolutely nothing to do with being better than anybody else it has everything to do with making a, a a presentation of yourself that uh highlights who you are and um shows your ability to connect with an audience and that's what the scoring is based on um Everything else is, you know, it's. I call it the cup of tea theory. You know, you're never going to be everybody's cup of tea, but it doesn't. It never stops you from being a cup of tea. And so, um, from judge to judge, somebody's going to hear what you do and they're going to think, oh, well, that's not blues enough, that's not this enough, that's not the other. But somebody on that panel is going to think that you're the best cup of tea that they ever have seen, potentially, and. That, that that's going that's going to be the difference maker and uh and so it, it's, it, doing the the blues challenge is a lot like playing golf you're never playing against the people that you play against you're playing against the course and so that's what the blues challenge is is you're you're competing with the course with the with the the scoring system and um once I understood the rules it was it was it was easy to not have to worry about them because all I had to do was go out and put on the show that I've always put on. I didn't have to do anything that was special for the Blues Challenge. Um, the biggest thing was was to make sure that the audience knew why I was connected to what it was I was going to do, and that mm-hmm. part of it was important to me, and um, make sure that they understood that my two, what I was doing was sincere, and to make sure that you know the you know the in the instructions the soul content and the blues content are to be weighed equally you know because they they look at all of it as 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 a part of the the, the, the blues and and that component uh, opens up the opportunity for me to be me um, yeah
3: absolutely um... most
5: you know, most of the yeah, most of the performers that are in the solo duo category focus on a style of blues, and for me, I focus on, uh, you know, making sure that folks when they leave, hearing you know, having having been at one of my shows, they 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 feel like from a friend, they feel like they're walking away from somebody that they they want to come see again, sure. and to me that's that's the importance of, of being an entertainer versus just being a musician. Uh, and and that's that component of, of of you know, when the audience when the show is done is just like any other emotional thing, there's a feeling of loss. You yeah, know? Absolutely. I want more.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. And um I think that that's Go ahead, finish the thought. I'm sorry.
5: No, I was gonna say I just think that that, that that's a a component of, of you know, entertainment that has to exist.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Most certainly. And you've, you actually just set yourself up to come back on the show in January when I do one of my two preview shows, because uh, you, you, your, your thought process about, about the whole situation is perfect. It's what we try to, it's what we try to convey to anybody who's coming to Memphis for the first time. So I'll be in touch with you about coming and being on one of the preview absolutely. shows. Uh, to talk about that, um but in the end, you know you can talk all about all you want about reading the rules, and you know, okay, you know, I just want to be able to entertain, but you ended up winning the solo duo challenge, and not only that, you took home best guitarist for solo duo and best harmonic best harmonica player, and i 'm not sure anyone has ever taken all three at the same in the same year so there is a whole lot of skill being shown there that week also so um you know again congratulations on that it's a you know it was a wonderful honor for you to to be able to win it was a it was a great year uh, of musicians uh you know and um uh deservedly so um you know kevin i uh, I know you're out on the west coast uh, doing some stuff with uh, uh, little village foundation um and and I appreciate you taking some time uh to be able to talk with me um you know tonight uh about about it all uh what's what's the next mountain for you to climb you well know,
5: the next mountain for me to climb is um you know to um number one to to to, to make sure that uh, you know i i established a, a, a presence, um, uh, in, in, the, in the, uh, world as an entertainer, um, uh, established a presence as a, as a recording artist at this point, you know, I've, uh, uh, the, the, the show part is, is going well. Um, the, the sales of CD and all that fun stuff that's going well. Um, I've got, uh, a lot of opportunities, uh, coming up, uh, Uh, performances in the New York area, performances, Philadelphia, DC. Um, I've just booked my first shows overseas. I'm headed to uh, uh, the Netherlands and uh, I've also got opportunity to play on a a European blues cruise. um, That's going to be heading out of Marseille, France and Spain and Italy. uh, And, you know all of those kinds of things are uh opening new doors um the next thing that's coming up uh big here in the states in May um uh, my recording's been nominated for uh best recording by an emerging artist uh for the blues mm-hmm. music awards and uh am yeah. um, uh again uh the, just the nomination itself is is i mean it's a, it's a, it's a blessing um I'm hoping I get the the, the the nod that I'm gonna get a chance to perform at the Blues Music Awards. Um and uh you know, fingers crossed, um but I know about some some real yeah. some really great uh really great performers and, and really great recordings uh that that are also, you know, nominated for emerging, Best Emerging Artist or recording uh, by by an emerging artist. So right. you know, that the the award is, is anybody's to, to be had, but uh you know, it doesn't it doesn't stop you from being hopeful.
3: Absolutely. And, uh, but Absolutely. The
5: nomination, yeah. The, the nomination itself is is a remarkable honor. Um, and so, I am uh, I'm looking forward to you know the, you know the the next moment. You know that's the the beauty of this is that uh, everything's wonderfully strange still. And uh, but uh, I'm I'm hoping to fall into a new normal uh, where what's strange turns into what what, what gets to, you know, what gets to be a regular thing. And, uh, mm-hmm. so far, you know, knock wood, things are going, things are going well, you know, but I know,
3: absolutely,
5: you know, absolutely. any and all of that yeah. could change at any moment. So I'm, uh, no. I'm, I'm right now enjoying what, what, what feels like my best life, man. Um, Absolutely. and uh in enjoying watching my family grow you know from a standpoint of my musical family um sure. it's it's like i say it's a, it's a true blessing no doubt
3: uh if you want to find uh about, a little bit more about Ke- uh Kevin go check him out uh at, on facebook uh go check out uh kevin bf bert uh the website <laughs> is, doesn't seem to be uh really uh it's really go over to facebook to it, find all your upcoming shows uh, yeah. better better Absolutely. there than uh yeah um yeah. so yeah the go over it to...
5: the new website is being built it'll be uh, kevin kevin Bird music um, okay cool and uh the, cool yeah and that's that should be up in and full bore within the next week or so and so uh but right now Excellent. yes facebook is the best way to track me down okay
3: okay and then again you know in, in a week or so from today you Go, go over and just try Kevin Burt music Keep trying it until it finally says Hey, hi, we're here yeah. um, Absolutely <laughs> yeah. uh, Kevin, we will talk uh, we'll, we'll probably see you in May uh, um, In Memphis uh, So look forward to that Be safe out there on the roads uh, Much luck with Heartland and Soul And everything else that's going on in New World uh, We've got time for one last song uh, Before we close out the segment um, this is the song that opens your album. Tell us a little bit about Day Day.
5: Uh, Day Day is a uh, it's actually a song that I wrote more out of spite for my siblings. Uh, it's it's kind of a long story, but it, it it really does go all the way back to my age, being being about three or four years old, and being told that I I can't sing by my siblings. And so <laughs> you know uh, another time I tell the full story on stage man, but uh you know it, it, it involves it involves the memorization of several ktel record uh, commercials and and a and a and a three or four year old being able to recite them all, but only you know no one. Like point three seconds of every song ever written, and uh, <laughs> uh, be, being told to shut up a lot. And uh, one one particular day, my my siblings caught me and said, "You can't sing. You need to shut up." And and okay, sing something. And all that came out of me was "Day Day," and that was it. And because I didn't know that songs were, I didn't it never registered that songs were longer than two or three seconds, you know. And, and right, so, right, sure. Yeah, to- fast forward my life, you know, and and I get in this band. So the first thing that I did was I finished writing that song so that I could <laughs> basically throw up a middle finger at my my older sibling. And so that's really. What- Oh, so, so 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 just, so you get you get into the blues. with my siblings.
3: <laughs> so so you get into the blues instigators, and you know that for the first gig that you guys are going to do, you're going to invite all your family. Come on, you got to come out and support me. I'm a little nervous. Come on, you got to really be there. And in the middle of the show, you turn around and go, "By the way, f you, day day." Yes,
4: that's it. That's, a, that's exactly. <laughs>
3: Kevin, I and like so you more and is... more. I like you more and more every time we talk. <laughs>
7: like,
5: uh, so, I mean, that's, it sounds like it's got a much deeper, you know, kind of relationship thing, and it has it has everything to do with me throwing up a middle finger at my older sister. Oh, uh, there you my, go. You know, they're my they're, they're my biggest supporters, but uh,
3: uh, yeah.
5: Yeah, you they're
3: know, also your, they're, they're all, amazing, also your siblings. <laughs> They're also your siblings. Yes. It is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Kevin Burt from Heartland and Soul. Kevin, again, much luck. Uh, congratulations on the, on the blues, uh, blues Music Award nomination. We will see you in May. And from the album Heartland and Soul, this is Day Day.
6: My lucky the one, man, yeah But then I found out, baby My lucky wasn't Found yourself a man, and he showed up, made you smile. Now I'm seeing, babe, you coming back my way again because you love me. Because I made your whole body grin, day day. And night for night. Oh, oh, oh how can something so wrong, baby? Feel so right, day day. And night for night. You know I love you, baby, but I don't can't have you in my life now. You. Day day, night for night, oh, how oh, oh. can so right? Day, day night for night, you know I love you, baby, but I do you know i love you baby but you just will
3: not treat me i said i love you baby but you just will not treat me you know i love you baby but you just will not treat me right kevin Burt day day great, great story uh great album and uh funny guy can't wait to uh get can't wait to see him again in, uh, Memphis in May for the uh Blues Music Awards. I'm just looking for my papers because they're all scattered all over the place now because everything's out of order, but I think we're all good. Uh as I as I introduced her earlier, uh, Mr. Lou Rawls once called her a thin vanilla coating on a dark chocolate sole. <laughs> I just I just I just call her my friend. Uh Ms. Paula As we did <laughs> We just we we played nothing good happens after midnight. The song that opens the album earlier, uh, when we were trying to connect, and for some reason Paul's phone didn't ring. It's you know those internet phone things. You know sometimes it all it's I all know. weird. It's all weird. Uh, we started talking about we started talking about this, like, you know, back in November, you you had sent me the pre pre masters and I got to hear some of this stuff. And you were like, you know, is this time something you want to bring on the show? And I was like, well, yeah, why not? Why wouldn't I? Um, <laughs> And I remember getting the masters and got to listen to that uh and listen to them as I was uh, uh traveling down to Florida uh for the holidays so uh uh we finally uh get to get to bring you on and the now has the album actually released yet or is that coming up this week
1: the album actually i got the proof back for the pdf for the artwork and so hopefully it'll be going to press within the, this month and the the release date is set for may 1st per the publicity oh. of the people that we hired so oh. they needed some ch- time to get their mail campaigns and stuff together
3: yeah absolutely so 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 so, so i mean I, I know some of this music is out there at this point in time right
1: A few of my friends who are DJs have it, but other than that, you're one of the special ones. (laughs)
3: Yeah, I I appreciate it. Uh, Why did you decide to do the album Speakeasy?
1: The first album, uh, Naughty, was uh, turning on the naughty, was uh, probably a result of being in the IBC, which is where everybody plays Hellbent for Mary, (laughs) trying to get noticed and sure. and and it was it was very aggressive, you know, big horns, funky rhythms, and um, I'm always trying to improve and I had several people in the music industry whose opinion I immensely respect tell me that i that I was screaming too much, and so I kept trying not to scream, but then I was having to cut through that, that brass and all those instruments, and so I kept toning down the band until I ended up with a an acoustic trio, and that was. That forced me into the open enough that I had to really pay attention to what I was singing and how I was singing it rather than how loud I was singing it.
4: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, So this
1: album was a result of that. And I've always loved – I love the passion of blues, but I love the complexity of jazz. And so I wanted to do something that merged the two of those. You You hear the words jazz and blues paired a lot. But they they very rarely meet as jazz and blues with nothing else mixed in. Yeah, yeah,
3: and, and there you've got ten originals, ten originals, right? Ten originals. Th- eleven, and, actually. If you buy oh, a 11, album, it eleven, eleven, eleven. got eleven. That's yeah. true. Eleven. Yep. Eleven, and then the five the five that you uh, um, have. Uncovered, as Mick Colossa calls it, because these are not covers; um, these are totally different from, you know, what they were when they were originally done. Um, well, thank you. But uh, talk about uh, your original uh, troublemaker.
1: Oh, <laughs> um, Nate Ginsburg, my piano player, he's fabulous. And we were talking; we were listening to a Billy Preston tune. I don't even remember which one. And I said, "Let's write a song that has one of those killer." Um, soulful piano riffs, like Billy Preston in it. And Nate came up with the riff, and I started writing the lyrics, and shortly after that, we had a song.
4: can't fall in love without a risk and a heart rate. Everybody wants a happy and no one wants a pain. You can't Make me love.
3: I mean, you know, you you, you 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 talk about well you put together this acoustic trio, and the sound is still as big as the, any sound I've ever think about when I think about Paula Harris. You it's know, got a lot I of mean, it's, for the still, <laughs> it's still there's still there's still so much there's still so much power there, um, without the horns and without all, every you know without you know all that uh, extra. So um, it is. Your voice, that's the focal point and not everything else. The album was produced by Paula Harris, arranged by Nate Ginsburg and Paula Harris. Obviously, Miss Paula Harris on vocals. Nate Ginsburg on piano. Rich Gerard on acoustic bass. That guy, again, uh, Derek DeMar Martin on drums. Uh, Big Lou Johnson. uh, Big Lou comes on, does a poetic rap on something wicked. Uh, Bill Ortiz adds trumpet on a a few songs. And uh, Kid Anderson ends Ed's bongos and Waterpipe on the album and we're, go, we're going to keep moving on from that uh, Michael Reynosa is the executive producer producer second executive producers Nate Ginsberg and Denise McNair the whole thing was mixed by Christopher Kidd Anderson recorded at, at Greaseland Studios San Jose California uh, with Rome Yamalov as assistant engineer mastered by Stephen Hart at Mix Room in Sonoma California and Andrea Zucker did the photography, but Paula and Andrea designed the whole thing. There we go. Uh, the design of the album, that is. Um, very cool. Um, you know, talk about this. You know, yeah, I mean, this has been a long labor of love for you. I mean, like I said, you know, we started talking about this late late November, I guess it was. So you know you started sometime what? When did you? When were you in the studio with all of this? This is been a
1: we recorded a it last April. Yeah, last yeah. April.
3: Yeah. But yeah. I've
1: been writing for it for four or five years, right. and the songs yeah. have gone like something wicked. The one that Big Lou is on and Bill, mm-hmm. we did it as a big band like like jump big band count Basie esque swing thing with the horns first, and I still may redo right. that song yeah. like that but the you know the title of the song is something wicked and it there was nothing it was a joyous explosion of you know blues when we did it with the big band and so i thought well let's approach it in a different way and and make it a little more menacing and a little more um dangerous sounding and so we were we really thought about you know what what was the lyric what was the mood we wanted to create and we we threw a lot of spaghetti at the wall to see what would stick.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure why I just looked. I just looked. I'm not sure why it was one of the ones I didn't upload. But, uh, you know, you're going to have to buy the album to hear it. So there you go. Oh, yeah. Comes out in May. We're not going to give you the whole damn thing. you got to buy this. But if you think of somewhere. the album
1: also has a kind of noir theme going through it. You've got yes. – haunted you've got something wicked there's one on there that's hilarious called who put those scratches on your back and um Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's Mm -hmm. there's a troublemaker nothing good happens after midnight round midnight there's a theme going through the album
3: well yeah and i mean in the whole look of the album is that very noir you know uh uh kind of feel um hollywood thirties kind of kind of thing, which is where, Mission you know, accomplished. Is, oh, <laughs> yeah, Jeez. We did not set this up ahead of time, folks. This is just us just talking. Um but I you know I talked about I talked about I talked about um you know you've got a few a few uncovers on the album uh and the the Louis Jordan uh song that closes the album. Uh Nate Rearranged Nate arranged the song, rearranged it because you did uncover it. Um, why did you decide to do Is You Is or Is You Ain't My Baby? I,
1: I like the fact that it's deliberately, grammatically incorrect. I like the vibe <laughs> of it. I, I like, Um, I think, every woman at some point in her life is, the, you know what, I'm going to go confront him and find out what's going on. And that's what that song is about. And so <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's relatable.
3: Yeah, yeah Absolutely. Uh, this is great. Uh, it's from Speakeasy. Right, it's coming out around May 1st. You're hearing it here tonight on Music on the Couch. Check it out. Paula Harris, Is You Is or Is You Ain't My Baby. Taking a little Louis Jordan, is you is or is you ain't my baby, and taking it and kicking its butt. She did,
1: yes, she did. <laughs> yes, Nate she was did. wearing that piano out, wasn't he?
3: Oh man, ah, yeah, he sure does. Um, yeah, <laughs> magic <laughs> fingers. One on of the best I've heard. One magic fingers on on that man. Yeah, I uh, you know I'm looking at the credits, um, you know, for the album and you know number of the songs, you know. It, Got full credit for the entire band on them uh, did some of these come alive in the studio while you were recording them?
1: Oh gosh yes, definitely yeah, um, yeah, yeah. haunted the ballad that one that one was definitely one um the one uh this love it's gonna do me in definitely did oh and the donny the Donny Hathaway tune that we did um mm-hmm. kid had advised me not to put it on the album because he said that it's so iconic that nobody could touch Donnie's version of it and you know, I was like well, I kind of take that as a challenge and I recorded it the first day and Kid said I still don't think you should put it on the album and so I went home and I listened to it and I was like damn he's right <laughs> <laughs> and so I was listening to it and I came back in and I said I'm going to give this song another crack and approach it vocally in a different way and so I recorded it he's like it's better but no nah, it's still not there and I said, "Well, let me think about it." So I came back in a week later and I said, "I have two places I want to punch in and if you still don't like it, then I probably won't put it on the album." And so the middle one was this really high run in the at, like towards the middle of the song, but it needed mm-hmm. to be hit softly instead of powerfully and I and it was so hard and I hit it and when I finished I was like, "Okay, let's go to the end of the song and kid was like, "No, you need to think about what you just did." I said, "Why? You still don't like it?" He was like, "No, you just changed my mind. I think you should put it on the album." So I did. <laughs> <laughs> so that one really came alive and <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: So yeah, that's another one you're gonna have to buy the album to hear. Good. That's a good. Good morning, heartache is what we're talking about right there,
1: um, right? No, that was. Uh, no. um I love you more than you'll ever
3: know. Oh, oh, I, I yeah, yeah, okay, yep, yeah, yep, 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 okay, yep. Al Cooper's song, yeah, but Donny. Oh yeah,
1: beautiful tune. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, yeah. Tell just, me which I mean, you one you know. want me
1: to talk about, and I'll tell you about them.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, you were just—I mean, I got haunted. I—I I got haunted. I got haunted. queued up. So, um, to, to, you know, haunted, a, haunted yeah.
1: was—I wanted something that was Aretha Franklin-esque, Ooh. and um, this one, well, it, it, it—I've lived with it for about two or three years, and. Played around with it, and uh, when Nate once Nate and I got a hold of it, it it went where it needed to go. And then we were trying to decide, okay, do we do it with brush drums or do we do it with blues drums? And Demar was like, "You need to hit that thing with a Ray Charles, thirty five beats a minute slow rim shot." And I was like, "Okay, I trust your instincts. Let's go."
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when Demar says when he when he t- t- says he thinks that the drums should sound like this, you normally just say, "Yes, sir." Yes, sir. You yeah, well right this ahead. this
1: song is real personal to me Because I was, you know I think everybody everybody's relationships Goes through ups and downs And uh, for me I write my best material when I'm not happy And um, I was having a tiff With my honey And um, I was feeling a little Taken advantage of And so this song came out of that And uh, I feel totally cathartic After I wrote it <laughs>
3: And the relationship continues on. Paula Harris. It absolutely does. Absolutely. She puts it on paper or, uh, you know, on vinyl or on tape, however you want to put it. And And maybe he'll think twice
1: about making me mad next time.
3: (laughs) (laughs) This is haunted.
4: Just a minute to explain how I feel, and you might not want to hear it.
3: be I, I, I can't I, I I just couldn't imagine having, you know, this child of yours and it's sitting there and you want to get it out to the world and you still got like another month or even longer than that before it's actually gonna happen. It would like make me crazy. Um I'd rather do I, it right I, than quick. Yeah, 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 no, I know, I know, you're right. I I I I I think of that too. I think of that on that side too, but right now it seems right, you know, other than obviously the packaging. Um, you know, you got to get that done obviously, but uh <laughs> right now the music the the music the music is right. It's definitely it's definitely right. There's no doubt. So uh what are the plans around um and while that was going on by the way, um I just I quickly uploaded something wicked uh, so we've got uh, two more songs to play. Love is going to do me in, and something with Wicked. So we'll talk about both of those. But um, talk about uh, your plans for uh, going out and supporting the album and doing and, and doing some uh, touring. Uh, what 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 are the thought processes?
1: Well, the first we hired a blues publicist and a jazz publicist, and they're both going to get it out to the media and the radio um, starting May first. And then mm-hmm. once we, and I've already got some people who want to review it in several different magazines. And so once the reviews start rolling in, I'm going to use that and start, um, sending out promo for shows and festivals and that kind of thing.
3: Okay. Okay. Good. So, so it's more, I'll be it's traveling in the- anywhere
1: that'll have me. I'll come and be happy to perform it for them.
3: <laughs> so looking at the looking at the third, third quarter of the year, uh, and then into the, into the new year, uh,
1: Yeah, I I think um, that would probably be a a good timeline Yeah,
3: yeah, cool Um, uh, Love is Gonna Do Me In Um,
1: Oh, that's one of my favorites Yeah, talk a
3: little bit about that song
1: Well, there's, um, the Bay Area is just prolific With wonderful musicians As anybody who's ever been to the music scene here can attest And, um One of the the people on the jazz side of things that everybody knows and loves is a girl named Pamela Rose. And um, I had a friend of mine in Atlanta who wrote me and said, I found this song on YouTube that you need to sing. And she sent me the link, and it was one of Pamela Rose's songs from like 1992, (laughs) and it had five views. (laughs) (laughs) It only has five views And I thought, you know, I love the lyric And I love the melody Um, The arrangement is is not me But um, we Mm -hmm. can fix the arrangement So I called Pamela And I said, I have stumbled over this song And I love the lyric And the melody line Would you care if I threw out the arrangement And did my own thing with it She said, knock yourself out And this was the
3: result of it Paula Harris, Love Is Gonna Do Me In album isn't it? Yes it is. Yes it is. And it's just I mean it's just filled with just such goodness. Um there's just such goodness on this album. There really is. Um thank you. I just I, I just wish you so much luck with it. I hope uh you know everybody else hears all the coolness that I hear in it and I'm sure a lot of other people hear in it. It's just there's a lot of talent on this album. Um it shows a lot of uh you know who you are and not just that uh you know, big voiced big horned chica <laughs> on the stage at the Orpheum. Um, you know, I mean, uh it's uh you know we wanted an obviously... acoustic
1: blues album with no guitar.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Uh it's uh it's pretty much uh you got it. You got it. Yeah. It's, it's unusual though. I mean <laughs> kids said no, he didn't I'm... think
1: anybody had ever uh, submitted one uh, that he knew of that was an acoustic album with no guitar. I was like, "Well, let's be different."
3: Sure, I mean it's it's uh, just and again it doesn't come across as an acoustic album, you know. You know <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I think when people think of at least for me when I think acoustic, yeah, and it's that the the sound is uh what's the word area area there's a lot of space
7: there's a lot
1: of space in the album, but we we also we wanted something that was that represented you know back in the the mid century jazz and blues were the pop music of the day they weren't
4: well, sure. like the same yep.
1: audience would listen to both, and we wanted to create an album that kinda went back to that kind of vibe. And so yeah. that's that was we do have a little bit of soul and funk in there, but it is a jazz blues album, and uh, sure. you know, and I'm hoping that uh, that it's something that'll that people would just sit back and relax and say ah oh, when they listen to it. <laughs>
3: yeah. And uh, you got you you know you ended up uh, uh, again you, as you said uh, around about May first or, or May first the album will be May first is
1: the date yes
3: May first uh, is it's, the it's, date so look this is it. my
1: heart so I hope people love it.
3: And uh, you're going to be doing a, a pre-order, uh, pre-order uh, sale at some point in time prior to May 1st? Um,
1: Absolutely. As soon as I get them in my hot yeah. little hands, I'll be happy to sell them.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> they so can find easy. me at my website, paulaharrismusic.com, Paula. and send me an email. And I, there's also a couple of songs that we didn't put on there, and I, I offer them as free downloads when people join my mailing list.
3: There you go. And so so go over to let Paula me know Harris if you Music. want an
1: advanced copy, and, uh, and we'll get you the free downloads and the copy as soon as it's off the presses.
3: Absolutely. PaulaHarrisMusic.com. Paula Harris, she is a musician that you should know. Absolutely must know her. Um, we're going to do the one last song um, because I just decided let's, let's upload it anyway. Uh, this one uh, brings in uh, Big Lou Johnson to do a little verbalizing on it. Uh talking about going good, and doing the, yeah, talk about doing this one in the studio putting this all together. Well I studio. wrote this like one.
1: I said, I wrote this song several years ago and when we decided right. we wanted to do it um uh more as a dangerous sound I called Big Lou, and I said, you know how Michael Jackson did Thriller, and he had Creepy Vincent Price, and Big Lou's like, yeah. I said, I don't want Creepy Vincent Price. I want Sexy Barry White. He was like, I'm your man, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And and boy, was he ever. (laughs) And then it also features Bill Ortiz, who is the uh, trumpet player from Santana, a wonderful musician playing.
3: Absolutely. Paula, again, thank you so much for allowing us to uh, share these a little bit early, and again, much luck to you, and uh can't wait to uh, for our paths to cross real soon.
1: Uh, you too, Vinny. Thank you. You're, you've been a good friend for six years, and I just want you to know how much myself and all the other artists that you support appreciate what you do and... and Thank you, not just for your support, but for just being a wonderful guy and always so supportive Mm. and encouraging of all of us. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Thank you. And until next Monday, remember to be happy, be safe, and to share the blues, you know, like Paula Harris.
4: Night and a big red moon, spirit seeking to commune, something dangerous out looking for prey. Black clothes from head to toe, one look was all it took to know. I should be very.